0: Imran, what's up?
1: What's going on, Kevin?
0: Welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you, man, I, uh, I see you are always busy on here, so I was like, let me jump on with you.
0: Yeah, I don't know why we didn't do it sooner.
1: Yeah, man, let's, uh, let's throw it down, I'm excited.
0: Cool, so tell everybody a little, a little bit about you and where you're from and your story.
1: Uh, so my name is Imran Jaffer and um, I am actually born in San Diego, um, but I've lived uh, in many different parts of the world, uh, on the East Coast and the D.C. area, in Kenya and Uganda in Africa so um, you know with a little bit of some worldly experience back here in San Diego and ready to to take it on
0: yeah you're always traveling you're always in like Dubai Kenya London New York I mean you're you're everywhere
1: yeah you know I try to keep it interesting right you can uh, stagnate in one area otherwise uh, you don't get the wheels turning right
0: yeah so so tell people what you do
1: so um, I'm uh, a little bit in two different industries. I straddle real estate and construction, which uh, in in my opinion, I think they sort of coincide, right? Um, when the economy is good and real estate's great, you see construction industry booming. <clears throat> and then when the real estate market goes down, you also see construction go down. Um, but we're in an interesting time because I feel like within the construction industry, predominantly in California, there's just a massive shortage of labor. So there's more projects than there are people or contractors to fill. Just
0: a little bit closer.
1: So, um, you know, it kind of gets a little bit interesting with how the market is working at this very moment.
0: Yeah, the supply and demand thing is weird because uh, a lot of people through COVID were getting stimulus checks, they weren't working. But in the construction industry, is that why there's a shortage or? Yeah, I
1: think you know it's it's hard labor at the end of the day, right? Uh, being a carpenter or an electrician or a plumber. If I told you, hey, you're gonna have to you know do some of that type of work versus being in the gig industry, because I feel like the gig industry today is giving a lot of these other industries a run for their money. If you're sitting in your car driving Uber or Uber Eats or you know any of the other gig jobs, it's much easier to get into that than flip burgers at Burger King or be a carpenter where you know you're having to put in time or, you know, frankly, listen to other people and their problems. You know, if you're sitting there behind the counter at a burger chain and, you know, a customers yelling at you, Hey, I didn't get ketchup or I didn't get lettuce or whatever it is, versus just driving around in an Uber, you know, there's a lot less hassle and dollar for dollar you probably make more in the gig industry.
0: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And you get to do it on your own time. So like you said, you don't have to deal with a boss. You can kind of do whatever you want. And uh, there's always different opportunities too. So you can do, you can be working with five different apps at once. And um, yeah, that's uh, a weird time we're living in. It is. It's quite weird. So, you know, when you, when you think about the economy,
1: it's like, there's a high demand for jobs in the lower end sector. But then on the higher end sector with the tech companies, I mean, you just see Coinbase today laying off, you know, a whole bunch of staff. Yep. Um, I think you'd mentioned in one of your other uh, Instagram videos, like BlackRock laying off staff. Most of the tech industry is laying off staff. I think yep. the number Golden for this Sachs. month is 200,000 people are losing their jobs, yeah. right? Um, it's gonna be interesting because there's not tech companies that are hiring right now, everyone's laying off. So what are going to ha- what's gonna happen to these people, right? Um,
0: Who knows? Well, I'll tell you that, you know, I I invest in a lot of auto detail shops and service-based businesses. And the biggest complaint is, you know, we have a good amount of work, but we don't have employees to help do the work or we can't retain employees because they want to go off and do all these other things. I think that's going to end here soon because you're going to see people with master's degrees who are out of a job, who are now looking for work. And it's going to be similar to 2008 where you had these guys working at Burger King, you know, just trying to pay the bills.
1: I believe it. And, you know, I think the skill set is just going to change, right? Everyone wants to be this, you know, Instagram star or, you know, um, you know, do everything online. But a lot of that's going to change, right? Um, people are going to have to figure out how to, you know, use the real life tools in this day and age, right? Yeah. And, you know, with things like ChatGPT coming up, um, it's going to take over a whole bunch of positions, right? Imagine being able to go online and your customer support now is all AI, Yeah. right? Yep. You're not going to need those people in the call centers. You're not going to need a lot of those extra, you know, um, employees that companies had to have, right? Well, we'll see what happens, right? It's going to be an interesting future for both of us, right? Yeah. Because um, we're going to be in it and uh, we got to leave it in a better place or, you know, we're going to be left behind.
0: Yeah, and I think that, it's an opportunity, right? Like change is inevitable. People get scared by it, but when change happens, it sort of levels out the playing field. And if you can be first to something like AI or even in the beginning, right? There's so many people that I remember when I first started running Facebook ads, it was like nobody else was doing it. Right. And then now everybody's running Facebook, you know, it's, and that's only six years, seven years, you know, so I think that as AI kind of grows, I think less jobs will actually be removed and they'll just be a lot more efficient. So I think people will still work with AI, but I mean, obviously at some point it's gonna get so smart and it's gonna learn so much faster. Um, it's gonna be able to do a lot and people are gonna be working on passion product projects. I don't know.
1: Yeah, and you know, talking about passion projects, I think that that's kind of where the niche is gonna be, right? Um, you know, artists creating, you know, unique things, Um, musicians creating unique music, whether it's in rap or country or whatever genre, right? But, uh, you know, having that creative element to almost any service job is gonna be where people will, you know, come out from being like, hey, I just do car detailing to, I do car detailing but with this art form. And it's gonna, you know, attract more people where it's like, I wrap cars but I wrap cars with my you know custom art you know and you know there's gonna be more of a want for that right Um, but who knows let's uh let's see what happens here in the near future right
0: yeah I think experience is what people pay for so like with Netflix right Um, movie theaters still exist but the ones that are booming are the luxury movie theaters where you know Netflix you can go watch a new movie at home most of the movies people aren't going to a movie theater, unless there's an experience attached, like nice sofas, they deliver food, things like that. So I think the higher end, experience based things will stick. Um, but the the as supply and demand changes and new things come into play, like things that we can't even imagine right now. Like nobody really in you know in the 50s or 60s was thinking about oh you know not too far in the future we'll be just watching all these movies at home instantly the second they come out. You yeah, know. that's
1: super interesting. And, um, you know, it's it's funny because uh, uh, the new Avatar movie just came out, right? And um, there was a huge debate on, like, are people going to come back to the theaters to watch it? And I think just a few days ago, they said that they they're already at, like, $1.8 billion in revenue. And it's like, yeah, well, they did come out, and we're hitting our numbers. And, you know, that movie drew in the crowd that they were expecting, right, in a post-COVID world where, you know, it was sort of up in the air. It was up in the balance. But you're right because Avatar came with that quality. It comes with that experience. You know, the amount of time, effort, and you know, um, mechanics that they put into it has really changed the game in how you shoot or develop um, uh, on-screen uh, movies. Right.
0: Right. Right. Yeah, experience wins. You know, and and people want to be around people. That's the thing. Is is there's a convenience factor, which is why you know, Grubhub does so well, why uh, Instacart and all of these convenience-based businesses work. But then on the experience side, people still want to go to the movies. They want to grab their popcorn. They want to sit down Yeah. as much as they hate it. They want to hear somebody's phone ringing just to remember that we're all in this. You know, I think people want to be around other human beings. I think it's only natural. And COVID showed how detrimental it is to people when you're not around other human beings.
1: Oh, totally. I totally agree. I mean, what it's done to our school systems and everything, you know, we're pretty much two years behind, right, in terms of learning and, you know, aptitude for, you know, most of the Americans that, you know, were out of school system or just didn't have the the support to be able to bridge the gap with that education for those couple years, right, whether it's internet access or politics or, you know, there's so many different factors at play, but, you know, it's going to be a little bit more time before we actually see the negative impacts, and we're already starting to see it, um, just in testing scores and um, and other aptitudes that they have out there. But let's see, you know, what happens? Um, will this generation catch up? You know, will sort of these AI technologies or you know, technology just in general um, push them to you know work a little harder, or will will they get complacent? Right, right. Um, who knows? Right.
0: Yeah. And, and I'm curious to see how the kids that are between one and six, uh, you know, how they dealt with or how they're going to deal with the mask situation, right? Is you're in this developmental age where you're learning about facial features and the way people move their face and smile. And there's two years where you're out in public and almost everybody you see, you can't see that piece of the face. I wonder if they're either going to get really good at it because they got really good at reading the eyes, Mm or if there's gonna be some kind of issues long-term from that age group. I think that's gonna be interesting.
1: I think it's, I mean, there's gonna be so many different issues that come about um, just from the whole pandemic and, um, you know, mask, no mask, vax, no vax. I mean, there's, you know, at this point, you can sit here and dissect everything that happened a couple years ago. And, you know, you can, you know, put everyone on a cross to say, hey, here's all the bad decisions you make. And here's all the great decisions that were made during that time, um, but you know, we can't change what happened, right? Um, and we just gotta figure out how to iterate and move forward from that, right? Um, not to get political, but you know, it does come back to, to getting into politics when we talk about the pandemic and you know, a bunch of these stories, right?
0: Yeah, and, and I think it's less politics and it's more tribalism, right? People, <laughs> people are always gonna pick a side. Right. There's the, the people that wanted the mask, the people that didn't want the mask. And there there's always gonna be something for people to fight over, you know, and, and politics is just a way of us identifying what tribe we're a part of, and then there's sub tribes in all of those tribes, right? So we're not much better than we were when we were cavemen we're just a little more sophisticated and you know we have nuclear weapons so
1: <laughs> that's true that's true i feel like we're still saber rattling with each other right yeah um yeah
0: i mean if you've ever seen anybody get into a car and see how they act on the freeway you know uh yeah
1: yeah it's it's interesting right so yeah so anyways um uh i think san diego is a fantastic place um my wife and i we moved here a couple of years ago and you know it's it's really grown on us it was ver- it was very different when we first moved here um during the pandemic and you know to see this uh city re into what it's become and to experience you know everything from the nightlife to the people to you know the vibe of how chill it is and the business environment Um, You know coming from an outsider it can it can seem pretty like relaxed, especially coming from the East Coast where you know, New York DC Everyone's on it, you know, like people are you know, dressed up to the nines in their suits, you know going at it, you know And then here everyone's a little bit more chilled out, you know, hanging out surfing in the morning Snowboarding in the evening. Yeah, and you're like what's going on here? Yeah, but there is still a sense of drive there's still a sense of work. People are, you know, are not in your typical industries, right? Um, they're doing uh, things slightly different. They figured out a model um, that is sustainable for that type of lifestyle, right? Right, um, Like Airbnbs and short-term rentals, right? So we're involved in a couple of them. And, um, you know, it's, it's such an interesting model. And specifically here in San Diego, we've got Tens of thousands of Airbnbs and short term rentals. And it also creates a housing problem. Yeah. Right. So um, I think there's legislation that, that just passed that are, is going to require you to now have a permit to operate a short term rental. And yep. there's, you know, it's going to be like a lottery system. So all of these beautiful homes in La Jolla or in Mission Beach or, you know, in PB, um, you know, how are these guys that have these investments? currently running how are they gonna have to you know iterate and make sure that they're part of this new system that's put in place right because um, you do make a, quite a good sum of money right yeah um, but yeah it's it's gonna be interesting to see what happens with some of these uh, short-term rentals here in this area
0: yeah and I'm curious to see where the push came for that you know is it like the Hilton's you know the the hotel industry uh, pushing money with lobbyists or something to make these political decisions because um, I don't know anybody that really hates it unless you're a you know you have a 20 million dollar house and now some you know rich 19 year old kids are partying in an Airbnb next to you but um, yeah where do you think the push came from for the legislation
1: I think that there's a there's a shortage of housing here specifically in this market Um, if you look at our average rent here in San Diego it's it's ridiculously high compared to the national average right Um, So they had to figure out legislation on on how do we cut back on the number of vacation rentals. Because the vacation rental business in this market specifically is super good, right? So um, around Airbnb and short-term rentals, there's all of these resources you have. So you have Guestly, you have AirDNA, um, and you have a bunch of different um, companies that support Airbnbs. Okay. And one of one of the resources that's out there is like you can go in and you can type in a zip code. Okay. And what they'll do is they'll use all the data points from Airbnb and say, hey, within this zip code, you can look at properties in this price range and here's the projected return. And so that's very interesting because in an area like San Diego you have tourism almost 12 months out of the year mm-hmm. right and that's not the same for every single market so let's let's talk about like Aspen Colorado right if you own an Airbnb in Aspen you know that you're going to really kill it during your winter months where people are coming in to go skiing and snowboarding and you know they're there for the winter time right you have a log cabin in the mountains right um, your demographics and your time to earn your return on your vacation rental is very different than being in a, you know, a city like San Diego, where it's like sun- 70 and sunny all year round. Right. Yeah. Right. So it, it's kind of interesting. Or if you're like in the DC area, you know, the demographics is your business travel or your family travel or that wants to be in that area and the demographics and the numbers are very different. The cost of property, the the dollar per square foot that you are purchasing for versus how much you're able to put it on the market for right um, and then there's markets like Arizona where they're very tricky you know you saw a huge spike in in home sales and now all of a sudden all these places are you know sort of what we call underwater mortgages right people have these very low interest rates they have these payments. But now their value of their home is worth thirty percent less than what they bought it for. Yep. So yeah, you I understand you can make your payment because you have a fantastic inter- interest rate at two nine nine, but you're in an underwater mortgage. Like yeah, it's ridiculous, right? Right. Um. So you know each market's gonna ha- face its own sort of um, crippling effect, right? Yeah. Um. But who knows? You know, it's uh. uh the economic situation at this point in my in in my opinion is is gonna be very interesting. Like we were talking about earlier, you've got a huge demand in, in the service industry jobs. You've got, you know, layoffs and the tech and the high end jobs. So once people start missing their mortgage payments and the rental payments and, you know, um, a couple of the, these things start to snowball, how's that gonna look for the property market? What opportunities are gonna open up? Um, you know this guy N- Rothschild, Nathan Rothschild. Yep. Um, one of the the most famous sayings. He's like, uh, "When there's blood in the streets, buy property." Right. So um, blood in the streets meaning you know when there's a bloodbath and you know yeah. the economy is falling apart and you know um, we're already seeing the stock market tank, uh, the Fed's raising interest rates to ridiculous amount. It's uh it's gonna be interesting, right? Yeah hopefully you're there on the sidelines with me to, to start buying up some property.
0: <laughs> so, so let's talk about your real estate. Um, so you own real estate in Kenya. You have Airbnbs here in the States. Tell me a little bit about how you got into that and why real estate? So um, I initially
1: read uh, Rich Dad Poor Dad. Have you read that book? Yeah. Robert Kiyosaki. Yep. So in that book he talks about the fast lane and the fast lane is technically the slow lane. Right. So when he talks about real estate, he talks about it in a long term aspect. So he's like, if you're going to touch real estate, it's like a 10 year play. If you're looking at like getting gains in one or two years, yes, people make phenomenal gains in the short term. But how long does that last? It's, right. It's not a very, um, you know, a quick metric is not a very good one to gauge yourself at. Yep. So initially when I uh, made a little bit of money, I was selling bulldozers. Um, I didn't know that. Yeah, I sold in a, Kenya. Yeah, I sold sold some bulldozers to um, a buddy of mine in Uganda, and uh, you know we're shipping them out from Baltimore, and um, and they were arriving on, uh, into East Africa, so I made a little bit of money early on, and then I decided, hey, let's take this and invest it into to real estate, and so I did that, and it sort of worked out. We were able to put up a couple commercial properties, uh, gain some traction with that, built a little investment fund. Moved into the apartment sector um, with having some uh, apartment complexes, and then moved back into commercial. Opened our construction business, and you know, ten plus years later, we're sitting here in San Diego, um, building our construction firm out here, um, Ace Group uh, California Construction. And so, you know, if you need any commercial construction needs, you know, we'll be uh, up and running hopefully before the end of this month um, in quite a big way. Um,
0: yeah. Yeah. And you're killing it, dude.
1: Thank you, man. Uh, trying to, you know, we got to catch up to, to guys like you, right. Uh, you're in the sales business, but I think every business has sales aspect to it. Right. So you can be in the service industry, but if you can't fill your funnel and you can't fill it with the right clients, then you're just going to be spinning your wheels in my opinion. So,
0: so how are you dealing with the labor shortages? Is it affecting you?
1: Yeah, it is, it's, it's affecting everyone. Um, it's hard to keep people um, uh, within your uh, circle of influence to continually work for you, because right. there's so much opportunity. Um, it's not like the old days where it's like, hey, if, if we take care of you, you're gonna be able to do so much for us, right? So it's, it's being able to balance and say, hey, um, so-and-so, whenever we have projects, come on board with us and we're going to give you better than market rate. Yeah. Um, and after our projects are done, please feel free to venture out into the abyss and, and you know, uh, get more work because you can't hold people back. Right. right? You got to let them go after what they need.
0: Now, how much of it is is money-based, right? Like, at, you know, I see Taco Bell hiring at like $22 an hour starting. Just unreal, right? But that... I mean, you know, when you talk about supply and demand, if you're paying them more, then they're, that's, you know, the more you pay them, the less they're going to want to go somewhere.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's all based on monetary compensation, right? Um, and it's probably the same for you, right? If you're paying somebody slightly more, they're going to want to come back to you. But it's finding the right people. So you can pay somebody, you know, twice market rate. But if they don't deliver the service, why would you pay somebody double, right? So having to find the right people. So the first time we did a tiling job here in San Diego, um, you know, halfway through the tiling job, I was like, guys, we gotta stop and we're done for the day. I had to go in there and demo all the work because based on my experience, I was like, these guys don't know what they're doing. It's gonna come out sloppy. I'd rather cut my losses at this point and, you know, find a different team altogether, right? right. And I had to do that two, three, four, five times until I found a right group for tiling, I found a right group for carpentry, I found a right group for uh, concreting. And so now I have a few teams that are, you know, really good at these different aspects of construction, right? So you can't do everything with one 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 or two people. You have to find, you know, the crews that are really good at certain areas, right? And construction's huge. There's so many classifications that you can go through. There's so many other subcontractors. You know, you don't want to just hire somebody like, oh, I know electrical. No, you got to get, you know, somebody that's licensed, that's been in the industry for a while, that knows what they're doing, you know, that has some backing or, you know, uh, who's, you know, been referred to you. Um, So that's kind of how it goes. And then you're right. People are charging more. Um, especially in this market, because yeah. earlier I told you there's more work in California than there are service providers to fill the need. Yep. So,
0: which is good if you're you. Yeah,
1: <laughs> it is. And then you know it, it comes down to the fact that you have to be able to learn how to you know go after the business, right? Right. So um, you know if you if you fill out zero bids, you're gonna get zero business. Yeah. Yeah. So it's the law of averages at the end of the day, right?
0: Yeah, I think a lot of people don't realize that the, you're paid based on what you provide in value to the market, right? And then the ease of replacing you and your ability to negotiate. So when people are getting laid off from their jobs like crazy right now, what do you think is the most important thing for somebody to understand about, because they're going to have to go out and hunt. They're going to have to go out and provide their own income outside of where they are now. And I don't know how much availability there's gonna be on Uber and other platforms. You know, you've seen them limit it before when things like this happen. So what would you say to somebody who just got fired or thinks they're gonna get fired and needs to make either a side hustle or a full-time hustle outside of their job?
1: So I think the easiest way to make any type of cash is in sales, hands down. Yep. Um, And then, you know, each funnel is different, right? It's like how, 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 defined can you get in sales, right? Are you just selling cars? You know, anybody can start selling cars. It's a very easy sales um, industry job to get into versus, you know, being able to sell medical devices. You have to learn a little bit more and there's a little bit more education or, you know, thought process that has to go into that or even real estate. And, you know, the skews get smaller and smaller, the more um, defined you get into sales, right? But, if you can hone into some of those skills or start, uh, you know, adapting yourself to have that secondary income um, within a sales structure job, that could really, you know, sort of uh, pull the socks up for you when things sort of uh, hit the bottom, right? Um, You know, I was reading a statistic the other day that said it's like 56% of Americans cannot cover a $1,000 emergency bill. Isn't that crazy? It's insane, right? We're busy buying Louis Vuitton and Gucci and all of that. Yeah. Uh, Bernard Arnault, like he's the richest guy right now. You know, I know uh, Elon was before, but since the Tesla stock price has gone down, you know, it just goes to show that we're ready to show everybody that we're wearing all of these brand names. Yeah, and we've got this guy super rich, and you know, but we can't cover a thousand dollar emergency bill. Like, oh. Uh, Something came up or a medical bill came up or you know, you had a fender bender and you need to cover it It's insane to me
0: people are too busy looking rich and not getting rich or being rich, right? They want to look the part but they it's which is just crazy because why would you want to look rich? and then trip when you pull out your your credit card or debit card somewhere to make a transaction like I would rather look like decent right not poor but i would rather look like i maybe shop at gap or you know whatever yeah. like regular ass clothes and be completely confident and comfortable and know that i'm set like i feel like the ego takes people for such a ride where they feel like i have to put up this image to make them feel, and again it comes down to like tribalism right yeah. and all of this um caveman behavior of like i have to be the strongest the best you know
1: what are they gonna think about me and it's like we're living in other people's thoughts right like their thoughts don't put food on our table right? right um so it's it's very interesting you know like um and you're totally right it comes back to you know that primitive behavior um versus not everybody is as comfortable as you saying, hey, I wanna just go to Target and I'll wear, you know, T's from Target or from The Gap, and it doesn't have to have the name plastered all over me.
0: Well, I mean, when I see somebody with, with Gucci on or Louis Vuitton on, first, I just assume it's fake, right? Yeah. I, I don't know why, I just, I'm like, nah, it's probably not real. But if it's real, I'm like, Mm, you know because you see them pull out their keys and they've, they've got like a like an old Mercedes key right and you know they went out and financed a you know an old uh, you know C class at 28% interest and guess what I've been there you know I, I remember and I, I wasn't wearing designer clothes and stuff but the first time I bought a BMW it was for other people it wasn't for me it wasn't you know for you, right? nah, everywhere I went I was so insecure and and I wanted everybody to think that I was this baller and I spent all my money trying to look like it and eventually I changed that. Eventually I realized, wait, I'm super stressed. This doesn't make sense. Let me go refocus and start actually getting rich and the, the second that I made that decision to live for myself and actually go get rich, yeah, the second I stopped feeling like shit and, and being poor,
1: you know? Yeah, it's just being able to be comfortable with yourself, understanding what your financial goals are um take but you know it, it comes down to discipline you know having that it's easy for, for us to sit here and say oh you know we don't care about what other people think and you know but that's just how society works it, it comes with a different set of discipline your you know your mindset has to be in a certain level your you know it's all got to be in sync right? Um, Like somebody like yourself, you're sober, you don't drink, you don't do a lot of those um, things that society shows as a norm, like going out to the clubs and, you know, buying bottles and, you know, uh, showing that exuberance, right? So you don't have to worry about that. A lot of that is in sync for you. And for a lot of other people or most of the people, it's not in sync, right? And it's like, how do you, you know, we, I feel like we all have these dials, right? and we got to like constantly, you know, turn them and switch them and like gauge them to like be number 1 happy. It's like if you're happy just within your own skin, everything that happens outside of you, you know, you can turn that, you can turn that energy positive, right? right. You can turn a bad thing into a, a good thing, right? It's just based on how you're able to manage that situation, right? Yep. You miss a flight. Are you going to yell at the, you know, person at the counter? Or are you going to be like, hey, I know you got all the other people to deal with. I, I feel for you. It's not your fault. It's not like you went and, you know, canceled the flight because it's not their fault, right? Yeah. Um, it's like how you deal with them. So I missed a flight. And guess what? They put me on the very next one. And everybody else that was super upset and, you know, uh, yelling, they didn't get that opportunity. Just yeah. the way that they act or reacted right yeah uh, so being able to control those emotions and everything it just comes i guess with age maybe
0: yeah well how to win friends and influence people a really good book that you need to read if you have not read it have you read it yes i have yeah, It's okay a fantastic uh, dale uh dale carnegie yeah yeah exactly um i think so yeah so anyways um really 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 good book uh my old boss dave selenow told me that it was the best book he ever read and i had heard it from other people i'm like all right whatever maybe this is just You know, it just sounds like such a bait, how to win friends and influence people. Okay, whatever. And then I read it and was like, holy shit, you know, when you think about it and let's circle back to the luxury lifestyle and showing off for other people. When you understand how people operate and how people work, they, you think that they're looking at you like, look at this guy. He's so cool. He's got the G wagon. He's got the luxury clothes. He's going on private jets. They don't like that. They're they they wish it was them and they get mad at you that it wasn't them. They might smile, they might act like they're supportive, and some people will be supportive, but most people don't like that. And when you realize that when you're talking to somebody and you're talking about yourself, right? Yeah. People want to hear you talk about them, right? Yeah. Everybody loves to talk about themselves and, and hear people talking about themselves, right? Totally. I totally agree with you. And, you know,
1: I think that um, social media like Instagram and all of these other platforms, what they've been able to do is magnify this sort of, quote unquote, um, luxury lifestyle, right? I could portray to you a world in which I live that doesn't exist just by, you know, taking certain videos or pictures or whatever it is to say, hey, followers, here's my lifestyle. And I could be living on a shack on the on the side of the road, right? right. Um, and that's very interesting because you're right. Everyone wants that lifestyle. Nobody shows you the sacrifice or the hard work that they put in. You don't see people, you know, uh, with beads of sweat, you know, coming down their face, you know, all dirty and covered in, in you know, whatever it is and hard work, yep. you know, saying, oh, this is how I got to that private jet, right? Yep. They're just showing you them sitting, sipping on a glass of champagne there They don't show you, you know, what it took, right? And so unless we're able to realize that we can make those sacrifices, do we then get to enjoy the rewards of the hard work, right? Right. Um, Jay-Z has a very interesting line in this song, right? Where he's like, I made my first, you know, whatever, couple million dollars, and he went and bought, you know, this beautiful, exotic car. And he's like, at the same time that he purchased that car, you know, real estate in the Bronx was as expensive. Yep. And, you know, had he bought the real estate instead, he would be worth, you know, 10, 20 times that amount. But, yeah. you know, society wants you to go after the flashy car, after the the diamond chain and, you know, that's where they want to, to sort of keep you at, right? They don't want you to think about, hey, what do I sacrifice today to earn tomorrow, right? Yep. Um, It's again, coming back to wearing the Louis and the Gucci, right?
0: That song is, uh, I know what you're talking about. He's talking about buying a building in Dumbo. In Dumbo. Down under the Manhattan Bridge overpass. Overpass. And uh, he's like, yeah, that same building is now, it was worth 1 million, the same building now is worth 12 million. How do you think I feel, Dumbo? exactly. That (laughs) is
1: exactly the line. Yeah. And um, it just goes to show that, hey, like, you know, we're sitting here in this position and, you know, I want to be able to sit down with you and call you in in the next 20 years when I'm 50 something and be like, hey, Kevin, let's reflect on the conversation we had. You know, what, what did you do? What are some of the sacrifices you made 20 years ago? And hopefully we can have that conversation over coffee or a tea sitting in some exotic part of the world and say, hey, because I sacrificed, we can do this, right? Um, You know, it'd be interesting.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think that, let's use the Jay-Z example of him buying a car instead of buying real estate and looking back at that and being like, fuck, that was a terrible investment. But now he's not going to make that mistake again. I think the biggest mistake is people consistently make recurring mistakes and they don't learn from it, you know, And, and also learn from other people's mistakes. But some of these experiences, I feel like you have to go through. Like if I look at anybody that's made a good amount of money and they didn't come from money, typically they start out, Wasting it They start up Buying dumb shit Thinking it's gonna Make them happy And then they realize Oh money doesn't Make me happy It just Expands what I Already am So if you're Already happy And enjoying the process Then money can help that But if yeah. you're miserable It's gonna do that And the cars the, the, It's temporary You know
1: it, Isn't that the de- Definition of insanity It's like Yeah Doing the same thing Over and over And expecting A different, different result, result. Yeah. yeah So no I totally Totally agree with you But you know There's, there's this saying it's like you know you want to fail fast you want to fail forward and then you learn from those failures right Yeah. if you're not able to pick yourself up and you know just change a little bit you know everyone has these goals and dreams and you know we're sitting here at the beginning of the year I don't know if you've reset some some new goals for the year and you know um, re-engaged in your vision board but I do that every year you know sit down and say hey here's where we want the end of the year to be you know uh, we'll hit some goals but you know we we get them so that even if we don't hit them 100%, we're still better off because we know the direction that we're headed in, right? right? Um, and we know that, you know, along the, the road, there's gonna you're going to trip up, you're going to fall, but being able to have the mental, um, you know, stability to just pick yourself up in those tough times, it's very difficult when, you know, when you fall, people want to kick you when you're down, right? Right. Um, so mm-hmm. having that mental strength actually is what you need to be able to pick yourself up and brush yourself off and continue going after what you want to go after. Cause not everyone's going to see your vision the way that you see it. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, and it's difficult, right? When everyone around you is like, Oh, but he's not in a nice car or he's not doing this. And you know, um, he's never going to make it or whatever it is. And a lot of people go through that, right. Whether, you know, you're coming out with your first rap album or you're working on your first company or you're just gotten into sales. And, you know, it's a very uphill
0: climb, right? Yeah. And, you know, uh, Bradley was talking about some of the rich people that he knew, right? All these guys they have got McLarens, Ferraris, big ass houses. But what he realized is these guys, they've got all these things, but they're broke. They're just broke at a different level and they're not happy, right? They've got the Ferrari, they got the private jet, but they're Fucking tripping on not paying that private jet payment, right? Yeah, they don't own that cash. They they don't own the Ferrari cash. And when the money kind of slows up, and now they can't pay all their bills, and their cars get repoed, now they feel like their life is crumbling. You Mm -hmm. know, I would much rather take that money. And look, I've wasted a lot of money, but any dollar that I put back into my business is a much better investment than putting into some luxury clothes or cars. And don't get me wrong, I like cars. You know. Um, And you like bikes too. (laughs) Yeah, I got a couple of those. But, uh, you know, I think it's important to celebrate your successes but not divulge in your ego too much.
1: No, I agree. I agree. You have to celebrate your successes. You have to. um, You know, it's it's one of those things where it's like there's a balance between like being overly um, uh, egoistic and then celebrating your successes, right? So you don't want to be... you don't want to be like you know uh, boastful but you also want to be like hey i worked hard and here's what i achieved right right? and it rubs people the wrong way sometimes but if you can't put yourself up on a pedestal when you win you know uh, i think that's very important right Um, it's also a good feeder for happiness yeah to to make sure that you know you can keep on going and then also to realize that hey you're on that pedestal where's the next step right Um, and to like keep on engaging in that so you don't stagnate right yeah Um, and then one one thing that you definitely brought up is you know every dollar you put back into your business I think that that's one one piece of thing that a lot of people don't do is they forget to invest in themselves yeah right Mm -hmm. and once you start realizing that you are the main person to invest in then you know your life you know gets a lot better right whether yeah. it's investing in your education, in your skill set, in you know, whatever it is that it is that you're you know going after, I think it's very important for people to do that.
0: Yeah, if you don't know how, if your goal is to make more money and you don't know how to make more money, you need to now learn how to learn. You need to learn how to find info that you can then learn from, right? So whether that's YouTube, whether it's a mentor, learning, learning is a skill, right? And once you learn how to learn, you learn how to filter data, what's bullshit, what's not. And when you get good at those things and you continue to just pursue knowledge and then constantly invest in yourself with skills, buying courses, mentorships, reading books, um, and then applying what you learn, your life will change overnight. The the problem that I see is most people sit in the same spot and they think somebody's coming to rescue them (laughs) and no one's coming, no one's coming. Trust me,
1: I've been waiting for that person to throw me a, a billion-dollar lifeline, too. <laughs> you're very nice. You know?
0: But it also wouldn't, right? Because yeah. when you see people win the lottery and they get all of this money out of nowhere, again, if you're not a happy person, you're not going to be happy with a billion dollars. I agree with you. Um, and also, I think that there's a lot more
1: happiness that comes from you know just putting in the effort, Right. Um, you know, when you persevere and then you finally see a break in the clouds and, you know, you get a payday or whatever, you know, it sort of gives you that like boost to say, Hey, everything that I've been doing up to that
0: point is sort of worth it. Right. Yeah. And that's why sacrifice is an investment, right? You're sacrificing short term dopamine hits, you know, whether it's going out and spending money, buying things, uh, whatever, right. For the long-term payoff of, you know, investing back in yourself.
1: Yeah, and, um, you know, talking (laughs) about investments, you know, you don't even have to recreate the wheel, right? Uh, There's so many greats, like, you talking about learning, you know, just read up on Buffett, you know? Um, He always has so much great information for young people. Like, just start investing in ETFs. He's like, it'll outperform any other company, outperform any other market that you may think that is better. And he's like, just stay consistent. And, you know, long-term consistent growth is better than, you know, hitting the lottery, right? right? Uh, it's making those daily sacrifices, right? And it's not like you're sacrificing everything, but it's like the small sacrifices on a day- daily basis can compound to, you know, you know, when you look at it in 10 years, you're like, oh, wow, what happened? Right. <laughs> right. You know? um, but if you don't start now, you know, you're, you're not, you're already behind, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and a lot of people, they sit there and they're like, oh, I should have done this last year. I should have done that the year before. Or when the interest rates were better, we should have done this. And it's like, D- just start now. Right. <laughs> like, Don't yeah. worry about the past. Like, learn from it. And then, you know, start today. And then, you know, hopefully, if you continue to make those daily sacrifices, you're going to be in a way better place. in you know, two, three, four, five decades from now, right? Right. If we're still alive. Yeah. Um, I'm definitely hoping to be.
0: So. Yeah. Well, I know hey. you
1: always say, you know
0: reminder you're gonna die so just you know like live life don't forget to go out and and dude i'll i'll tell you a story that i I recently remembered that i just had forgotten and buried there was one time where i so i was working at a restaurant in the north end of boston italian section nice luxury italian restaurants a little bit of mob stuff here and there but very very small neighborhood and i was having a drink after work and i went in there this is probably 10 years ago now, almost 10 years ago. Um, close to it, wow. And I'm in, in I'm, I'm, in here, I'm having a drink, and I'm sitting here, and this guy is sitting across the bar, it's only like maybe eight people in this whole place. And it's like a bar, nice restaurant kind of place. And he buys everybody a round of Limoncello, right? Which is like a fancy Good. little drink. And uh, you know, I drank it, oh cool, and I went over to introduce myself, like hey, nice to meet you, whatever. And we talked, and you know, his girlfriend who's sitting there is like, oh, like, you know, do you know who this is? And I'm like, no, you know, and she's like, he's a billionaire. And he's like, stop, stop, like being all like, yeah, stop yeah. telling people that, you know, I don't, you know, Seemed like a pretty humble guy. And we start talking and he's asking me, you know, what are you doing? And at the time I was thinking about going into real estate, working in a restaurant at kind of a point, like a split in my life. And he's like, oh, like, you know, do you travel much? Asking me, you know, all these things and. Um, we got to kind of, we just had kind of a deep conversation about life, you know? And he was just a genuine guy and I didn't want anything from him. I was, it was just cool yeah. to like sit down and have a connection with somebody. And this guy said something, he was like, you know, I had throat cancer and it made me get throat cancer to realize that you need to stop and smell the roses, right? He's like, luckily I had a a very rare thing that was caught very early and it's it's good, whatever. But he's like, just don't forget, like through your whole life, like you really need to smell the roses and stop, no matter what you're doing. You know, you need to stop, enjoy life, have gratitude, and just be in the moment because you never know when it's gonna stop. You know, Damar Hamlin, who had that cardiac arrest on the field, there was an interview that went viral of him before that, and he was like, Man, I just cherish every moment because you never know when it's gone and just goes to show, Yeah, you know, and, and luckily he survived. But, um, and then this guy said, this guy, so after we talk about this, I'm that right there was, was it, you know, him saying, you got to stop and smell Smell the roses. roses, And then he's like, Hey, you work in a restaurant, right? You can always go back and get a restaurant job. He's like, where do you want to go? I'm like, Italy. You know, he's like, okay, I'm going to cut you a $10,000 check right now. You go anywhere in the world you want, but you got to quit your job and you got to book your flight now. And I was like, what? (laughs) That's awesome. And at this point I had like maybe $200 to my name, you know, and I'm like, this dude's going to give me 10 grand. Like, and he just sat there. He's like, you you know, you don't have to take it, but if you want, go quit your job right now and book your flight right now and and you got to go.
1: Wow. And did you do it? Didn't do it. Oh, my God, Pussy, man. Pussy. Pussied out. Well, now. you know, I guess you're going to have to do that to for someone in the Maybe future Maybe he now. was going
0: to have me robbed and kidnapped and he wasn't even a billionaire. Yeah. I don't fucking know, dude. Like something, something seemed off about it. But, Good looking guy like you. Definitely. Uh, <laughs> it is something, something felt off, but, but I looked him up. He was a, he was a billionaire, uh, angel investor from Canada, from Toronto. Oh, and, wow. Uh, we should
1: totally look him up and, uh, and have him on this podcast. I'd dude, to... that
0: would be. So I actually tried to contact him a couple times cause yeah. I, he gave me his card and his email and, and cause he was like, oh, here's my, here's my email. Uh, you know, you have 24 hours to like get this decision done, you okay. know? And I, I sent him an email and was like, Hey, I think I'm going to hold off whatever. And then he never responded. I think he kind of was like, well, this fucking kid's going to yeah. go off and do whatever he's going <clears> to <throat> do. And, um, a couple times I emailed him over the years, just giving him updates, never got a response, but, um, Oh, Hey, you know, I ended up quitting my job and I got this job in finance and now I'm making, you know, six figures. Yeah. And I think part of that was because of our communication and, uh, every time I've taken another step up in life, you sort of send him an email. Yeah. You know, I don't even, he probably doesn't even remember me, but uh, that's, you know, I'm going to, we're going to have to do that. We, we,
1: we will totally have to do that. And, yeah. and then when he comes, I have a very good friend that makes um, their own limoncello up in La Jolla. At oh yeah. This one Alcohol restaurant. free. Uh, well, I mean, you'll probably have to just watch us have it. There we you go. Know? I can do that. Yeah. We'll give you some lemonade. Yeah. There we go. Yeah.
0: I'm sure there's alcohol-free limoncello. I there, miss there limoncello cause it was one of the alcoholic drinks that I would only have one of, you know, cause I don't know. It's yeah. It's quite pounding. Limoncello. It's like a, it's
1: a after dinner aperitif yeah. type of thing. You yeah. Know, clears the palate.
0: Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's funny. Well, All Imran, right. can you share one last positive message to our listeners and viewers? Um, yeah,
1: so, you know, coming back to um, your quote on your arm, um, I think that, you know, it's, it's just very important for all of us to just think about the journey until that point, right? It's what are you going to do between now and then, right? Um, how are you going to fill your glass up, you know, to, to make sure that you have enough gratitude, happiness, love? You, and love is both ways, so you have to receive and give, you know. Um, and if you could fill all of those up, you know, then everything else will sort of fall into place. Right. Um, we've been focusing today, a lot of our conversation on money and, you know, it's just an, it's a sort of byproduct of everything else that you do in life. Right. Um, and like you said, you know, you give somebody a million dollars or a billion dollars and it's just not going to change their happiness. Right. Yeah. Temporarily. Temporarily.
0: I'm going to tell you, you give me a billion dollars right now. The next month is going to be wild. <laughs> well, Im- and Ron, thank you so much for coming by. Uh, we're going to have to do a round two. Um, you I feel will, like we're, I have a, a lunch meeting that's scheduled for right now, but, um, no worries, man. You know, we're going to definitely have a round two. Thank me on here, man. Yeah, dude, absolutely. I appreciate Anytime. it. Yeah, of course. My name's Kevin Feely. If you're not following me on social, please give me a follow. Also, if you're not subscribed to this podcast, subscribe. Whether you're watching this on YouTube, whether you are listening to it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, please leave a subscribe and share this with one person. I'm out.